Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome to Inside Supercars with Craig Lavelle and Tony Whitlock. Craig? Good evening, Tony. Uh, it's uh, the lull before the endurance storm, isn't it? 19 days to the Sandown 500 and the first of the uh, 2017 per-second Euro Cup. I'm speaking sponsors like I never have before in my life, you'll notice. I have noticed that. You're really getting with the program and uh, obviously supporting supercars even further. Well, fortunately, the spoken word is, is a lot more flexible than the written word when you're trying to actually fit a thousand words on a page. <laughs> Indeed. But anyway, number of items this week, but before we mention those items on the agenda, uh, we have a, a terrific treat today because we have three of Australia's uh, hot shot young motorsport journos. All of them have uh, extensive experience, have earned their living making motorsport their uh, daily job. And uh, it's wonderful to be welcoming Stephen Bartholomew, Tom Worsley, and Lewis Isaacs. We'll go through their uh, CV when we get to talk to them. So they're on today's program, so it'll be a real treat to go through and discuss the state of the nation, the season, the enduros, previews, various other topics like that. But looking at this week's agenda, there are a lot of good items on it. One of the interesting ones that came up, you would have seen it, Craig, about Triple Eight lining up their test, the new car. Yeah, the new car is getting set to run this month, and uh, what I haven't, uh, what I haven't established, uh, I believe it'll be the new Commodore platform with a V8 motor. It won't have the turbo in it. Correct. They've already made the statement that they're not going to run the V6 turbo next year, but they'll run the new body with the existing KRE built engines uh, in eighteen. I think that they will run that in spec in uh, two of their cars, and occasionally they may run out the V6 next year. Yeah, and that's what... Or maybe run an an additional car. Yeah, and that's why the wildcard program is really going to come into its own for 888 next year. And 888, of course, next week, they're going to have their, I think it's final test day for the year at Queensland Raceway, taking all their six drivers and and their three cars to uh, give a shakedown before the Enduro starts. Mm. Um. Big news uh, this week, which only happened yesterday, I believe, it would have been that um, CNN, no, not CNN, CBS, rather, (laughs) the largest of the uh, American television networks, is throwing their hat in the ring to try and gazump uh, Lachlan Murdoch. um, Well, I can't remember the other chap's name, but um, the two people who were looking to buy Channel 10. Um, Interesting development. CBS has has done motorsports. Still does a bit of motorsport, um, and they're a major contributor to the 10 network here with programming. So that's a possibility we may get to see some overseas uh, motorsport on 10. Well, At the moment, though, of course, Fox will uh, retain the rights through to, I think it's 20. 
Be you know? Yeah, that's right. But what you have to also uh, consider is the fact that um, CBS was the uh, first to broadcast NASCAR live. They took oh, on right. board. They took on board Racecam from Channel Seven, and were an early adopter of that technology. So yep. they they do have a very good pedigree of of motorsport. And I, I my understanding is that it just needs because it's a, a an international company buying a local company, as it were. It just needs that. Um, sign off from the government that, uh, you know, if it was a Chinese network, if it was China Broadcasting Services, you'd probably see it wouldn't go through. But because it's one of our good friends over in the United States, you won't have as uh, anywhere near as much uh, complaint and scrutiny. Uh, I think it's only upside, really, for uh, Australian television, um, having a big player like uh, CBS coming in. And I think it's also a benefit to motorsport here as well, um, that... uh, the problems that Penn's had and been operating on for a number of years, and they were declared bankrupt a short time ago. Um, no, not bankrupt, sorry, they went into liquidation. Receivership. Receivership, thank you. Um, so I think it's a plus-plus um, all round. So um, it's going to be uh, a great build-up now to the sand-down um, with uh, lots of good news around it all. And uh, after the break, we'll come back with a discussion with the three players Stefan Bartholomeus, who's now from uh, Supercars, he's the editor of the Supercars website. Tom Worsley, who's a 10-year motorsport contributor, and he uh, currently works for um, Exhaust Notes Australia. And Lewis Isaac, who is ex-auto action, ex-Supercars, and been a motorsport journo for more than five years. So after the break, it's back with them. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question... Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. As I mentioned before, we've got three of the young hot guns of Australian motorsport journalism in Stephen Bartholomew, Tom Worsley, and Lewis Isaac. Good evening. Good evening. Ahoy. G'day. Right, wonderful. Just a very brief background on these guys. Um, what I know, um, uh, Stefan, of course, is the editor of Supercar website. Previously was editor at Speed Cafe. Um, that's where he started his motorsport career. Um, now been covering it for how long, Stefan? Uh, was at uh, Speed Cafe for six years. Well, okay, all right. Then we've got uh, Lewis Isaacs, who was ex-auto action, ex-supercars website, a motorsport journal for over five years, and now a freelancer and looking forward to going along as a spectator to motorsport. Yeah, it's had my first run the other week. It was quite enjoyable. All right. Got to go home early. (laughs) And didn't have to worry about that deadline, yes. And third one on the panel today is Tom Worsley, who is a contributor to Exhaust Notes Australia, a 10-year... Uh, experienced motorsport journo and somebody who has uh, been following it for much longer than that. Tom? 
Uh, you can blame my father for that one. I've been on it since I was pretty much born. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course, I didn't see any of you guys in 1956 at Silverstone, yeah? <laughs> All right. Well, the reason we've got these three guys is because they, in each of their own ways, have been very well connected with the championship for many years. Uh, as somebody who's not going to all the rounds anymore, I wanted to get their feelings and knowledge of what's happening uh, around the championship. So the first thing we wanted to do was have a look at the state of the supercar nation. Where is the series up to date, looking into various things. So just step in your, your feelings on it. Well, when you look at the on-track product, it's uh, pretty hard to knock what we're seeing at the moment. Um, certainly the super sprint format that we've seen a lot um, this year that's uh, carried over from last year has provided some a good mix of the sprint racing on the Saturday and uh, and the more strategic stuff on Sunday. Uh, City Motorsport Park last time out was a pretty good case in point where um, we had some uh, some entertaining moments and some some strategy involved as well. So um, certainly, uh, yeah, looking at the product at the moment, it's quite good. One of the things that the teams and the drivers I've spoken to have all commented on was how they're enjoying, again, the longer races. That seems to be one of the things that's universal about it. I think longer races, and particularly as we move into the um, the part of the series that is just everyone's favourite, the endurances, longer races, particularly on a Sunday, are a winner. Um, but I think the beautiful thing about the current format that we've got is you get the mix of that that flat out racing uh, on the on the Saturday and the and the mix of the the longer stuff on the Sunday, um, but as as Stefan said, we've got a great on track product at the moment. It's just a shame that the crowds aren't aren't following. And Lewis, for a long time, of course, supercars more so when Cockrell was in control, of course, um, has the claim of you are the best touring car racing in the world and the tightest and the closest and all those sorts of things. What's your view now? Well, I think um, the product, as the other guys have kind of pointed out, is arguably the best in the world. Um, you know, the, the, the twin formats, they work well. The tyre for this year is quite entertaining because it is a variable where you push it too hard and it goes wrong. Um, and you look at how motorsport's changing around the world with manufacturers jumping on, um, you know, Formula E and the like. I, I don't think that's got any... You're bearing having manufacturer support in supercars because it's the racing product that saves the category. Um, Tom touched on the crowds being down, but you know the, the viewer numbers are up, so it's six to one, half a dozen to the other. In actual fact, well, I, I think it was only see. that uh, Sydney Motorsport Park crowd numbers were down. The rest of the series, from what I understand, has been up, Lewis. Well, that's a bonus then, but Sydney Motorsport Park's always going down, I guess. It's, uh, mm. it's just that anomaly of, a, of an event. Changing the name hasn't helped its uh, popularity, of course. <laughs> it's, um, it's certainly interesting to look at. I mean, one of the things that was introduced this year was the, um, the Pertec Challenge, the Pit Stop Challenge. And um, I think it's a great idea. It doesn't seem to me as though they've really promoted it properly. It doesn't seem to be enough out there about it. I think there's a lot of... A lot of people that forgot about that after we got past uh, Tasmania. Obviously, we had the Saturday race that was very controversial in in the fact that it was restarted and deemed a race. Um, But I think that, for the most part, it was out of sight, out of mind. And um, I I think it's a a great concept, but um, 
again, just not enough noise made about it. Oh, we'll talk about the season, how it's been running so far. Lewis? I think it's been a great season so far in terms of the uh, the racing product. Um, you know, the formats, they're, they're entertaining where you have the sprints on the Saturday and the longer one on the Sunday. Uh, the introduction of Dunlop's tyre has added a pretty interesting variable that, that proves if you push things too hard, you... Um, you will get bitten, but yeah, overall, I think it's a, it's been a pretty entertaining season so far on track. Stefan, the early predictions has really borne out, that being the Triple Eight, DJR Team Penske and PRA just challenging a little bit. That's sort of where it is now. Yeah, that's exactly where it is. And um, it's one of those things, like at the start of last year, we saw, you know, like 10 or so winners from the first 12 races and then Triple Eight absolutely... Uh, hit the afterburners and dominated the second half of the season. So um, the difference is we've seen Team Penske step up, DJR Team Penske, and, and take it to them. That was really the, the big change over the off-season. And um, PRA have been close enough to, to still be in the reckoning at each round, but really it's been uh, the two heavyweights going at it, which has uh, made for a great storyline, if you will, but um, very entertaining. Tom, um, one of the things that's been this year is that Jamie actually has been the one who's made the least mistakes, both uh, Shane and uh, Fabian and um, Scott McLaughlin have all somewhere along the line tripped up, whether it being stewards or mechanical or things like that. And, you know, Jamie, again, is Mr. Consistency. Uh, absolutely. His stats sheet for the year, um, off the top of my head, I think there's only one race where he hasn't been inside the top 10, whereas the other guys have, uh, have had some mistakes and finished, either, either not finished or finished down the back uh, or been penalised. And Jamie, although he hasn't got many wins, he's just been chipping away like he normally does, uh, banking those points and, and proving that you really do have to have a a strong result every race to, to be a contender. Lewis, in, Lewis in, inside, uh, as you were earlier in the year, inside the Sydney headquarters, you had supercars launch two new series, the uh, Super 5000 and the Super Ute products. The Super Ute products has seemed to gather quite a bit of momentum, and the Super 5000, you would have just been getting hammered uh, with a, a mix of uh, very negative and abusive comments. Uh, how do you see these two launches that the Supercars have unveiled this year? Well, on Super 5000, it had very little to do with the Sydney office and um, the Gold Coast one, to be honest. It seemed to be run from Adelaide, the headquarters out there, for a um, particular builder, so... That was um, an interesting time, I think, when it was all released. And as for Super Ute, it's clearly designed to, to welcome in new manufacturers into the category. Um, there's still a fair bit of work to do in terms of homologating all the cars and whatnot, but the reaction from the competitors, at least, has been positive. You see uh, people try and build you know, a new Ranger, there's a Triton, there's going to be a, um, a D-Max from Isuzu. So, so from that, it's good. Um, whether it'll work successfully as like the the entry point into supercars racing, that remains to be seen. That's that's one of the angles they seem to be pursuing. That it's you know the new third tier or, or something like that. But uh, I personally don't think that'll quite play out like that. But 
you know, anything that kind of can add to the weekend spectacle is, um, you know, welcome to Supercars because I think even though it's a sporting organisation, truth be told, mostly it's an events business at the moment. And how difficult is it for a company like that to be operating out of what you've uh, now indicated is at least three home bases? Well, the Adelaide one is, again, it's not really Supercars. It's, um, that's where the Super 5000 car was built, but I don't know, Steph and I seem to work pretty well together in, in two separate locations. Uh, I don't think there's any challenge between that. You're always just a phone call away. Um, but I think being in Sydney makes a lot of sense because it's where a lot of the business in Australia is. And having a Gold Coast HQ where, you know, they run three events from Queensland also makes a lot of sense. Looking now to the Enduros, um, we've got three debutants from the Super 2 Series in um, Hazelwood, Jacobson and Muscat which is terrific because new blood is always well welcome to uh, any sort of motorsport. Um, there's plenty of uh, past winners coming to both Sandown and Bathurst, and there's a lot of pairings that have been together for a number of years. Um, are there anything, any people, Stefan, that you see that are going to stand out, any pairs that are going to jump out? Well, I guess, like, when you, when you look at those races, you, the expectation is it's going to be about those big four, the two Red Bull cars and the two shell cars again and I guess the interesting part out of those lineups is that the only one of those four co-drivers to have won a supercar race before um, or to, to have won Bathurst sorry is, um, is Paul Dumbrell so um, if if it does bear out that one of the big four wins that race um, we could, uh, could see a new winning co-driver there but um, just like the rest of the season you'd, you'd hope that PRA can be close enough to be in the conversation um, whether they have the the ultimate speed to to get it done is probably a big question mark. But we saw last year with Techno that you can pop up at the right time and and beat the big dogs up at Bathurst. So if you're looking at sort of dark horses, there's there's a few of them, and you'd have to put the Pro Drive boys in that. Um, David Reynolds, Luke Yildon, um, a pretty handy combination, and they've had some decent speed out of that car this year. So. Um, yeah, hopefully we can see a little bit of a, a surprise amongst it, but even if it is those big four, it'll uh, still be a pretty good couple of races. There's some uh, double winners there, you know, like Garth Sander, for instance, rejoining GRM where he won his first Bathurst. Um, but, you know, he's got James Golding. Now, James um, had uh, his debut last year. He had a pretty difficult uh, Enduro Cup program. Um, he's obviously far more experienced since then. Do you see them, Tom, as somebody who could... Uh, on the podium? Uh, it's hard to write off Garth Pander in endurance racing. Um, again, his, his records just speak speak wonders. Um, but, I, I mean, James Golding hasn't done a huge amount of racing this year. He's done a, a couple of wildcard entries. He's not running in the, uh, in, the, in the Dunlop series this year. So, I think I've got question marks next to him, but I think the the experience of Tander will probably compensate for for the inexperience of Golding. These are the his uh, pairing with Nick Perkett when they won. Yeah, that's, that's a good thought. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, tell me, Lewis, um, are there anybody that you see as uh, standing out as being, uh, you know, apart from those four or five teams or cars? As likely, I mean, Techno, do you see them as a likely to repeat? Well, I think, um, as you guys touched on, Tanders 
quite an interesting one, um, particularly given GRM has actually been running that, that 2016 spec tyre in the Dunlop series all year. So, um, you know, there may be some slight advantage inside that. Um, beyond that, BJR seems to always go well, and Nick Perkett's another one who's um, got quite an affinity at Bathurst. So if there's a smoky for a podium chance, I think it's definitely him. He, you know, the job he did last year at LVM was, you know, one of the best drives of the season, in my opinion. Um, having McCauley alongside him will certainly help, and I think, you know, he's in a better car than he was previously, and, and hopefully, yeah, he's the, the kind of guy that can take it to the other guys. And after the break, we'll be back with our young guns talking about motorsport from their journalistic point of view. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's crew Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. Again, we're with three of the guns of the motorsport journos, Stefan... Lewis and Tom, one of the most obvious things nowadays about the uh, Perzac Enduro Cup is that because it is a three-race, three-event cup, that it makes it very difficult for any internationals, and we don't have them anymore. Um, You know, it was wonderful. I mean, that year that we had, everybody had to have an international. We ended up with that debacle at Surface Paradise with those guys from America never having done a standing start before and that cars on roof sort of thing. But do you think the series suffers, that the Enduro Cup suffers because we don't have those internationals, Stephen? Um, it certainly um, adds a little bit of interest for, for us motorsport people to see how those guys shape up, um, guys or girls. But I don't think, you know, at, at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon we'll be really lamenting the fact that there's, there's not many internationals. As you say, it's sort of a nature of the way it's evolved both in terms of um, there being three events um, that drivers need to be available for, but also just how competitive it is and how important that experience in the cars are. Because even if you can get someone up to speed, it's just that little bit of little bit of whatever it is, unfamiliarity with rules or, or anything that can just trip you up um, in a pit stop or, or a restart or anywhere that can destroy a whole race. So you need these guys that are familiar with doing this as often as possible, even though they're not full-timers, and parachuting in an international isn't necessarily the way to go. Tom, that's one thing that the 12 hours done. We've been getting plenty of internationals for that. The event keeps on growing, and that seems to be maybe you know meeting the satisfaction of the needs of the internationals to come and taste the Bathurst race. Oh, absolutely. I think in terms of what tracks we've got in Australia, it's Bathurst that is the one that the international guys want to race at. Um, but it, as, as uh, Stefan touched on, it, it's not just about having them available for that weekend. If you look at how the campaign is run now, you've got testing throughout the year that the co-drivers need to be available for. There's the 
co-driver-only sessions throughout the year. So it's not even just getting these guys here for three weekends in a in a eight-week period. It's having them available to just fill all of those other commitments as well. And let's not ignore the fact that the uh, one of the defending drivers of the uh, Pertec Cup was a Frenchman last year, and he's not even being paired up with the guy he won it with last year. Yeah. But one of very few swaps uh, between teams uh, around. Um, looking at the season so far, one of the things that has cropped up, not too often, but it did uh, at the Saturday Race 17 when uh, the stewards, they uh, made a the decision... There was a bit of brouhaha in the paddock about it when McLaughlin was given a 15-second penalty. And then there was a change, a change before race 18, 18 uh, qualifying started. Um, Stefan, how do you think that sort of played out? Do you think that was the way in which things will go? Um, yeah, I mean, in one way, I think quite a few of us were surprised to see we were all waiting on the Sunday morning for the outcome of the, the restart investigation, but then to see that they'd had re-looked at the actual contact between Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen at Turn 2 and and uh, up to the penalty on, on Scotty for that. But um, when you actually look at it, um, it was a case of the system working very well because um, they could see immediately that, that Scotty had, uh, had punted him off, um, which I think was, you know, it's naturally careless driving and by applying that penalty when they did, the 15 seconds in the race, it meant that whether Scotty was first, second or third, we didn't have that awkward um, situation of giving the bloke a trophy and rolling the credits at the end of the TV show and all the punters thinking Scotty had either won or second or whatever um, and then finding out later that he hadn't. So it took him out of play and clearly that infringement had taken place. But then when they did look at it, they uh, and they look at so many things, with this, including data out of the cards, they could see that it was actually, it was reckless the way he got back into the throttle in the middle of the corner um, and, and punted him off. So that's um, the way they rolled out then the, the judicial footage and made some data available to the public was a great example of showing the fans that these decisions aren't just made at a guess and finger in the wind. This is uh, science goes into this. So when you look back at it, it actually played out quite well. Lewis, the, uh, it seems as though the stewards are making more decisions right than wrong. The change this year, Craig Baird coming into that driving uh, observer's seat, that seems to be working. There's far less fracas, there's far less grumbling about it all. Well, yeah, I think compared to, um, you know, previous people in charges in the, in the DSO role, as it was, um, it seems the rules are a lot more clear-cut for the drivers, you know, and they know if they, they mess up. They know exactly where they stand. And I think it's easier to communicate with fans at the moment too. Um, you know, Berto's reputation as someone who still races in GT and was doing um, Enduros last year and, you know, the odd cameo appearance at Erebus too means he still, you know, he understands these, car, these cars and, and the, the field quite well. Um, but, yeah, the process of, of waiting and, you know, actually analysing all the, uh, the evidence at hand and making the call is probably the right, right thing, I think. As Stefan pointed on the McLaughlin incident, that was 100% correct to um, to get him off the podium because that can be kind of embarrassing. And there was an incident at Super 2 in Townsville where um, you know, Richard Musket went up to the podium and then lost it two weeks later. So, yeah, overall, I think it's been a massive improvement this year and, and added to the spectacle of the show. Tom, is your uh, experience 
showing you that uh, overall uh, the management of uh, supercars seems to be going right in terms of both race management and event management? Uh, I think from uh, from the racing point of view, yeah, you can't argue with what they've got at the moment. It's it's close racing. Um, it's very competitive. But I think from on the event side of things, there's probably a few things that, um, and this is motorsport in general. The feedback from the punters is uh, it's it's expensive. Um, it, yeah, it's not as affordable as it used to be, uh, and I think that's why we're seeing the the ratings go up and um, certain events going down. Obviously, Sydney Motorsport Park had um, a, an average crowd, as it normally does, but the fact that it was nearly $100 to get in for a weekend, uh, they're not helping their cause. Yes, indeed. Indeed. That's always the thing that's been on the topics of the conversation about the series. Um, I'd like to, uh, you three, to cast your minds now to, uh, I'll call it the closing book, and that is uh, you giving us your predictions, not necessarily on who and where, but the podium, shall we say, at the Sandown, Bathurst and the Championship. Be interested to know, Stefan, uh, who you see as being the one to take out the first of the Enduro Cup race? Um, yeah, I guess it's just so hard to to tell even um even in the early stages of the race it's going to be relatively difficult to to pick who's going to win we would we would imagine yeah, no, but I, I, um I think but, is, yeah yeah i guess um you'd have to put put jamie and, and pd um pretty high in it from what we've seen before um there's no doubt scotty mack and, and alex Kramer will be among the fastest cars whether they can uh, get through it without striking any trouble yeah. is, uh, is another question. Um, you know, we've seen Fabian uh, this year, and, and Tony Diaberto is a very solid co driver. We've seen Fabian pull results out of uh, worse qualifying positions than, than Scotty's had. So you would think in the longer races um, that should suit him quite well. Um, okay. Yeah, but then it depends. You know, the double stacking could, could kill any chance of any of those, those two teams getting two cars on the podium. So you just never know. All right, and Bathurst? Yeah, you'd, you'd reckon it would be the same contenders, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not looking for an order. I'm just looking for who potentially, and of course, they're all people in some way, shape or form. I mean, Fabian hasn't been on that many podiums at the Enduros. He's had some dreadful luck, but, you know, um, Scotty has been uh, on a podium, but, um, again, um, be relying on uh, having his uh, old teammate back again, sort of thing. And uh, the championship, I mean, there are... You know, four people really in play for the championship, so it's pretty likely that uh, you're going to get at least one or two of them, right? <laughs> well, I think um, you can pretty much go 50-50 and think uh, either Scotty Mack or, or Jamie. Um, yeah. Scotty's sort of been a bit faster for most of the year, but um, it's it's pretty much line ball because a few more things have gone wrong for him. But, yeah, I guess um, I'd put my money on the fastest car and see what happens. Okay, all right. And a, a third one on the podium for the championship. Do you think Shane will get up there or Winterbottom? Chaz? Um, yeah, I guess uh, the way Shane closed out the second half of last year, um, and I think he's done that before. The sort of second half is where he's really, really kicked on. So maybe, maybe I'll go Shane. All right. Okay, Lewis. You're saying down back to championship sort of predictions. 
just literally right. who you think three three driver pairings and driver will uh, pick up the uh, the gold. Well, I, I fully agree with um, Steph. You know, it's going to come down to the big two teams there. Um, you know, if I was going to put my money on any of them, I've got a lot at the moment. Um, it'd probably be Scott, just on the on the pure speed thing. I think um, you know, Sandown really is, you know, essentially a sprint race. You know, you get your co-drivers in for a third of the race, and it's your your main guys for you know the final three hundred odd k's or whatever it is, and um, you know, he's just been the four main this year and he's, he's got that car speed as well to kind of recover from, from bad positions. Um, Bathurst, I, you know, I think it's really Shane's time. He, he's fighting for the championship now, but someone like him, he's, he's mentioned it before that, you know, Bathurst is the, the race he really wants. I think yeah. someone like Matt Campbell, he's, um, he was excellent there last year and, you know, he's probably going to prepare himself as best he can. You know, given the circumstances, and he didn't think he was always phased by uh, by pressure. And driving for a team like Triple Eight, he'll probably be, um, you know, he'll probably improve, you know, on his performance from last year as well. So, I think they're going to be a, a pretty dangerous combination. Uh, as for the championship, I'll probably go back to to Scott. I think, um, but the big variable, I think, you know, Steph mentioned Shane finishes the year well, and you know, you mentioned earlier that that Jamie's been the one accumulating points. The big variable we've got coming up, or the big unknown rather, is um, Newcastle. Obviously, yep. no one knows how it's going to play out. No one's been there before. Um, I think in terms of just like rolling out, you know, from a weekend and being fast, you probably have to put your your money on the um, on the DJRT and Pemsey cars there. And, and I give to Scott. I you know, I don't see Fabian coming back at this stage of the championship. He, yep. he had a one, he had a one-two at Sydney Motorsport Park, but I think in terms of overall pace, he's just nowhere near Scott. And um, you know, that, that was a fortunate weekend for him. I think he kind of, he made the most of other people failing, but, you know, when push comes to shove, he's, he's not there with them. And, um, you know, that was kind of evident in the previous round. You'd have to think that the, the one chink in uh, McLaughlin's armour is his starts, and that uh, you've got to think that that's going to be something that is, is very fixable, far more so than the finding the speed you need to take out seven or eight, nine <laughs> second pole positions. You know, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah. Exactly. I'd rather be starting on first and be fourth by the first corner than start tenth and be eighth, you know. Yes, yeah. And Tom, you uh, I think um I I think, you know Shane Shane is probably the dark horse at the moment, but I'm still convinced that he can go back to back in the title. Um as as Lewis said, he's got a great co driver in, in Matt Campbell, who not only went all right last year but had that podium at the Bathurst 12 hour earlier, so he's done a, quite a few laps around the place. Um, for Sandown, I think obviously uh, McLaughlin and Premer are, are going to be the, the outright favourite. I still don't think you can write off off the experience of Lowndes and and uh, and Richards. I think that they will be in with a, a chance of a podium. And if I'm if I'm going the dark horse angle again, uh, throw in uh, Panda and and Golding. It's a long 500 k's is still quite a long race, but uh, it just depends on whether they've got the horsepower down the straight. And then again, was mentioned about the tyres running the uh, the 2016 tyre spec tyres, so that yes uh, will help. Uh, and Bathurst, uh, Bathurst, I think it'll be Van Gisbergen and and Campbell. 
uh, and a close battle between uh, between those guys and McLaughlin and Prema. But I think the the dark horse there is is going to be uh, Tim Slade and, and Ash Walsh. They were just so quick last year, and before they had that uh, that break fire and, and it essentially killed their race, I thought they were genuine contenders. And Chamberlain, uh, Shane again, yeah, back to back for him. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been a fascinating insight uh, into the world of supercars, particularly from your younger than my old eyes. I greatly appreciate the time you've given us and uh, look forward to catching up with you uh, sometime around the track. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kevin. Look forward to it. Thanks, Lewis. Coming up next, we'll go to our final thoughts prior to the Sandown 500 in 19 days' time. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Craig Lance. Hi, I'm Dale Wood and you're listening to Supercars Today. And Craig, my final thought revolves around what a terrific series it is. I mean, it's it's sad in some ways to say that uh, the three journalists who do obviously keep in contact and know these people well, most of them are bringing up the same culprits. The usual culprits, as they say. Um, with the odd one thrown in there, like past winners like Tander and Craig Lowndes, um, and, you know, fast, uh, late finishes like uh, Shane Van Gisbergen winning the championship and maybe winning a Bathurst, which is overdue to have. But the great thing is that it's a very competitive season, and, of course, with 13, or roughly half of the field, having the same partners they had last year, it means that those guys will be treasuring the knowledge they have of each other's working relationship, where the new guys are going to have to work extra hard to make sure that they're paired up properly. So their driver changes work smoothly, and they can agree on what the right format and setup is for the car. So it'll be all smooth sailing for them. It's going to be an interesting... uh, Interesting Sandown 500 for certain. It is indeed. Yeah, mine is, uh, I think Force India need to uh, take a look at the Red Bull Holden Racing Team and how team drivers can work together to for the betterment of their team. Once again, at Belgium, we saw more shenanigans between those two. And uh, I know we did have a laugh about it a few weeks ago on this show, but uh, amazing how you can see such a difference between egos in the different levels of this uh, great game of motorsport. Something to do with the size of the dollars, maybe. That's uh, <laughs> one thing. And so, Craig, we say goodbye to another Inside Supercars this week and look forward to uh, how the uh, Sandown 500 pans out, the first of the third second Euro Cup. We'll have one more show before the uh, the big race happens, and we look forward to uh, getting the final bits of news before that race. So thank you from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. 